0: Yes.
1: MKUltra was a government program run by the Central Intelligence Agency. Originally started as something called Bluebird in 1948-49, morphed into Artichoke, and then in 1952 became MKUltra. It was a mind control program, a brainwashing program. The CIA was trying to learn how to control people's behavior without their knowledge. Now, this is all came out in Senate and Congressional hearings in the 70s, it was exposed, but nobody knew about it until 1974 when Seymour Hersh, the New York Times reporter, reported on the front page of the
2: paper. Hello and welcome back. This is episode 49 of Waking Up with Mel. And today we are going to wake up to mind control, MKUltra. You might have heard that word before because they just made a documentary about this. This is not a conspiracy. This has happened with our own government and we're going to talk about it today. And I'm going to talk about the first... Did you hear my clap? Yay! Um, <laughs> we are all under a form of mind control right now, guys. I hate to admit that. There's, I, I feel like every single day I break free from another illusion or delusion that I had with somebody or something. For example i have never been cool with religion i'm coming to find out i just really religion makes me want to barf in my mouth and it has turned so many people away from the true power of god as we talked about last week and by the way i'm doing a seven day trying to just let go of my flesh um just focus on god type thing right now this week you know i started yesterday i just want to focus on god i'm not gonna pollute my body uh, with any alcohol, anything like that, and just really focus on the ecstasy of God the next week. And yesterday, I had got off work, and I I juggle a lot in my life. And one day, and I was like, man, something's heavy in my soul. And I started praying, and I was like, God, what's heavy in my soul right now? Why does it feel so weighty? And my immediate answer was, go get with me. Go go bask with me for a little while. And so I did. I went and read the Bible, and wow. It was amazing, so the more I uncover things in these episodes, the more I realize how everything is connected to darkness that is that is evil right that that is going on right now in the world and but there's also a very powerful light that most of us haven't um even uncovered, right We have it under our beds our light our lights are not shining because. We are under a form of mind control in one way or another, thinking we do not have the power, we don't have the strength, we need this, we need that. Um, And I want to talk about the first time I remember a major media mind control because I feel like looking back when we really get deep into this because we're going to get to the origins of how this even started in our country, it's all fear-based and the way you control the masses, through the satanic evil agenda that runs through the government, through the music, through, you know, the TVs, through our politics, through every, every famous idolized person. They're, they're literally like the golden calf. They're the idols. People idolize football and they idolize basketball and they idolize Taylor Swift and Beyonce and, and Jesus, he's not cool yet. To the masses, you know, because they haven't discovered the power of God. Jesus has been hidden in religion. And it's just, and it's, I feel how we are easily controlled because you take God's word out of the world, you take the truth out of the world and you fill it with lies. And then everybody just, well, that's my truth. And this is my, 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 well, you know what? There's God's truth. So everything that, we should base our lives on, dear Christian friends, is what does God say? And what is the enemy saying? Does an enemy say you can go do what thou wilt? Because that's exactly what the enemy says. God, God gives us some boundaries and guidelines for our own good. And the way I look at God, in case you don't, because a lot of people probably don't, is I have a child. And so if you're not a parent, this is going to be really hard for you to understand. But the Bible says, all right, so I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. My mom got this for me for my birthday. And I'm reading from the book of Luke, Luke 11. And it's when Jesus is teaching us about prayer. And I highly advise you just go read all of chapter 11 because it's just so beautiful. But he just taught them that our Father who is in heaven, holy is his name prayer. And the way that Passion Translation uh, just reads reads this prayer, I want to read it because I, I've honestly, I've always heard it, you know, the King James version, which is our father who art in heaven, holy is his name, his kingdom come and will be done, blah, 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 which is a great prayer. I'm not like bashing that at all, but listen to this. So Jesus taught them the prayer, our heaven fa- our heavenly father, may the glory of your name be the center on which our life turns. May your Holy Spirit come upon us and cleanse us, manifest your kingdom on earth and give us our needed bread for the coming day. Forgive our sins as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us, and rescue us every time we face tribulations. Then Jesus gave this illustration. Imagine what would happen if you were to go to one of your friends in the middle of the night and pound on his door and shout, "'Please, do you have some food you can spare?' A friend just arrived at my house unexpectedly and I have nothing to serve him. But your friend says, why are you bothering me? The door is locked and my family and I are in bed. Do you expect me to get up and give you food? I tell you, because your shameless persistence, even though it's the middle of the night, your friend will get up out of his bed and give you all that you need. So it is with your prayers. Ask and you you'll receive. Seek and you'll discover. Knock on heaven's door and it will one day open for you. Every persistent person will receive what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he needs. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. Let me ask you this and realize, realize as I'm talking right now this was Jesus speaking to the disciples so they could now teach us and now. We can spread the good news, right? The gospel means good news. So he says, let me ask you this. Do you know any father who would give his son a snake on a plate when he asked for a serving of fish? Of course not. Do you know any father who would give his daughter a spider when she asked for an egg? Of course not. If imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, How much more will a perfect heavenly father give the Holy Spirit fullness when his children ask him? First time I read that verse, I thought, wow, God loves me more than I love my own kids because I love my kids more than I love my life. I would lay down my life for my kids just like Jesus laid down his life for all of us. And the simple gift of Jesus is just amazing. But religion has made, I I cannot stand what religion has done with Jesus. And Jesus probably can't stand it either. Just like he couldn't stand it in his time when he was here. Nothing's changed. Nothing's new under the sun. And the way I feel like they've really gotten away with all this is through our idols that we idolize and certain forces um, that we didn't know about. And we didn't know existed really until it's too late. And we're going to talk about the CIA right now. Well, actually, let's back up. Before we talk about the CIA, I want to talk about an operation that happened on television when I was a little girl that recently I'm just like really kind of just bothered and pissed off by it, to be honest, because these people, well, let's get there. Let's back up. 1986, January 28th. I am in, I don't know what grade I was in, elementary school, though. I remember the school. It's called Whitney Elementary in Boise, Idaho. And um, they take us to the library. And we all sit down and we're going to watch the astro knots, N-O-T, go to space. But instead of going to space, they all blew up in our face. Now, this wasn't because the Challenger accidentally blew up. It's because they wanted to traumatize the world. And honestly, there's a, somebody asked me, well, why would they want to do this? Well, there's many reasons. There's many reasons why the astronauts, much like Buzz Aldrin and everybody else, I've done a podcast about this, uh, never went to space. You cannot go to space because there's a firmament. I mean, that's another reason, we, that's another reason NASA can fund all these crazy operations to torture people because they have no accountability. And they're funded tons and tons of money. It's crazy. But NASA and all this operation is just part of it, okay? So let's talk about why why I can pretty much prove as much as the next guy, you know, unless I get blood samples and all the other stuff. But I really don't think when they did certain mind control techniques on the public, they realized the internet would catch up with them and documents would get released and it would be pretty much how, how many coincidences do you need before it's a fact? You know what I mean? So let's talk about these astronauts. Let's go through them really quickly. One by one, these guys could be a whole episode. They really could because most of them are still alive. If not all of them, I haven't really researched all of them. But I do know that all of them did not die in that Challenger accident. Either that or they have really good doppelgangers with the same exact names. And yesterday, as I started really uncovering things with the CIA, I was like, oh, wow. Now I see why. Because these people all go into the jobs that the CIA wants them to so they can control the masses from the positions they're put in, usually university positions. Because you know that's where you really can get people is you just train them from 18 that there's no God. You're stupid if you believe in God. How could you be so dumb? You need to believe whatever we say. I I honestly said to my husband like a couple of days ago, we were talking about medications and things like this, and someone we know is on a on a heart medication, and they have every single side effect that's listed on that heart medication, and the other family member who's a doctor that actually with hearts <laughs> says oh that's just a beta blocker my husband says yeah well the beta blocker has every single side effect that this person's having oh well you know maybe we should just remove the colon they probably that's probably the problem so we're we going from being a constipated person probably from pills to removing your colon because we're so brainwashed and mind controlled that doctors are smarter than us and they're not and that's when I said I've never met so many educated people that are so stupid because how can you have a PhD and not read the side effects how can you just believe everything you're told and then uh, it's just okay anyways let's talk about these astronauts okay so instead of me explaining every detail I found a, a TikTok.
3: tock about to witness one of the most horrific tragedies in history. Seven crew members are heading out to board a doomed shuttle. One of them is a school teacher. This is the first time a teacher would travel to space.
2: (laughs) Oh, they have all their school kids watching. So it's creates
3: The world watched with excitement and anticipation.
2: So it's just showing everybody crying, wow, 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 Let me fast forward a little bit here.
3: Seven lives were lost on that fateful day. <laughs> or were they? Twenty years later, investigators would discover that the seven crew members never actually boarded the shuttle that fateful day. Now I know what you're thinking. You're ready to call bullshit on this one. But let me stop you right here. The evidence that you are about to see will absolutely blow your mind. Sure, you've probably heard a dozen media outlets calling this a cooked-up conspiracy theory, but nothing could be further from the truth. Many people remember watching the explosion happen live on television. I myself being one of them. There is no doubt in my mind that the explosion was very real. In this video, we will examine footage from various sources that not only prove that five of the seven Challenger crew members are alive and well today, but will also shed light on the possible reasons why they were not on board. Three of the five astronauts, Judy Resnick, Richard Scobie, and Michael J. Smith. These three crew members were not only found to be alive, but they were still using their original names. Yep, you may be wondering why wouldn't they change their names and the answer is relatively simple Their names were not too well known and in 1986 living under the radar was much easier prior to the internet age Is it possible that these three astronauts could have living doppelgangers that just so happen to have the same names? Not likely and here's why although Michael J. Smith is a common name The names of the other two astronauts, Judy Resnick and Richard Scobie, are exceptionally uncommon. For example, there are only six women currently living in the United States with the name Judy or Judith Resnick, and there are only 16 men named Richard, Rick, Rich, or Dick Scobie. What are the chances that all three of these astronauts would have living doppelgangers with the same names? I'll let you ponder on these odds for a moment. The other two astronauts, Ronald McNair and Ellison Onizuka, both supposedly have living twin brothers named Carl McNair and Claude Onizuka. However, no birth records could be found for either one of them. What's even more interesting is this. Let's take a look at this footage from then President Ronald Reagan's memorial service for the Challenger crew. Here we can see the parents and siblings of Ellison Onizuka, but where is his living twin brother Claude? And here we can see the family of Ronald McNair, but his living twin brother Carl is nowhere to be seen. The reason Carl and Claude were not in attendance for their deceased brother's memorial is the same reason why there are no birth records for either of them. They do not exist. An investigator tracked down Challenger pilot Michael J. Smith and conducted a field interview, which he later posted on social media.
1: Is Challenger pilot Michael J. Smith alive and well? Take a look at the
2: footage and let me know what you think. Hey there. Hey, sorry to bother you. Yeah. I was pulling out and I I saw you. I just came by to. Are you Michael Smith?
1: Yeah.
2: Professor at uh, university.
1: Retired.
2: Retired? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just stopped by because there's a this room. Are you aware of that? There's a rumor on the internet. Say me. That people are saying? Yeah, it's not me, obviously. I mean, anybody that looks at my background, looks where I was born. Uh-huh, yeah. It's not me. I mean, it's interesting that the. Uh, Shame Michael on you. Jay Smith that was the astronaut looks something like me when we mm-hmm. were younger, but really not if you really look at facial recognition. You've never been a pilot, I've never been I've in the military? Not, nothing like that. Huh. No. Okay. Yeah. That's all and I this don't, And I don't respond to the emails I get. I get probably an email. Maybe two a month. Really? That yeah, and I got one oh. guy that's been uh, really hounding me, and I, I put, turned it over to the FBI.
4: Really? But, you know,
1: yeah. I mean, it's bullshit. Sure. Okay. You know, another crazy theory. Okay. But that's you know not me. All I, right, I, I'm glad Excel- I wasn't him. But he's quite a guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, y- but y- if you if you look at my career, you look at my CV that's online, all the stuff I've published, all that I've done. It's not even close to what that guy was.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, you just sure look a lot. I, I know, the facial thing. But that's that's what we look like, thing. what, 40 years ago? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, thank, thank
1: you. you. Yeah. Okay.
3: The voice analysis of the living Judy Resnick compared to the Challenger astronaut Judy Resnick confirms that they are indeed the same person. I am hoping that the... The uh, affliction that Steve Hawley had from the 41D mission, mission specialist of the delays, hasn't rubbed off on me. For a, for a very long arm, which is as long as the cargo bay, it's 50 feet long. The image lets you see all of the current contemporary issues. All courts shall be open, property remedied by due course of law. You can find these. The equal justice under law becomes that we thought courts, courts were all along. It says equal justice under law. There are many possible reasons why the crew did not board the Challenger that day. One theory is that the Challenger's final mission was deceptively unmanned due to limited funding and to maintain NASA's position as the world leader in space exploration. Clues uncovered in a documentary produced by National Geographic on the Challenger disaster seem to support this theory.
4: When Space Shuttle Challenger launches on a January morning in 1986, A key engineer is sure a catastrophe is coming. We've got to stop the flight. We cannot let Challenger launch, period. This is insane. He thinks the ship is going to explode. After two decades of budget cuts and a loss of public interest, the shuttle has never made good on its promise to provide a routine bus service to space. The 25th shuttle launch will be far more than just another... Trip into orbit. It's designed to resurrect the entire program. NASA hoped to restore faith in their billion dollar baby.
3: And like Krista said, you know, Mom, so that shuttle, they can shut that down the very last second if anything's wrong.
4: In the months following the disaster, Morton Fiercoll paid the astronauts' families around $4.6 million but were awarded a $1.8 billion contract to develop a new range of rocket boosters. NASA's Lawrence Malloy was offered a promotion to Deputy Director of All Propulsion Systems.
3: Now let me ask you this. If you were offered $4.7 million to pretend that your loved one was deceased, would you do it? Of course you would. I think you get the gist of what I'm saying here.
2: Well, and you guys, there's more than just what the families got for pretending. It, the the a, the astronauts that are still all alive, but the one is uh, they all got put in high up positions in universities. So let's talk about that because they're all on LinkedIn. I mean, they're, these place these people they think that if they just call everything a conspiracy theory, that people will just go away and they can just hide in plain sight, but you know what? The time has come where everything will be revealed. The Bible has said so. God has said so. So buckle up, buttercups, because people are catching on to you and you can deny all you want. Yeah, we might look alike. We might be the same age. We might have the same name, but we're not the same. Uh, yeah, you are. And why are you lying, Michael Smith? So let's talk about what happened to on that day in 1986 and what these people are up to now. Hiding in Plain Sight, on LinkedIn.
0: the groundbreaking work of investigators, we now know that the official narrative and much of the news broadcast on that day was deeply misleading. Before we explain why they created such a hoax, here is a rundown of the surviving crew members. Number one, Francis Richard Scobie, commander of the Challenger Space Shuttle. Born on May the 19th, 1939, Commander Francis Richard Scobie was 46 when he supposedly died in the Challenger explosion. He would be 75 years old if he were alive today. Strangely, there's a man also named Richard Scobie, the CEO of a Chicago marketing advertising company called Cows in Trees, who bears a striking resemblance factoring in the 30-year time-lapse to Commander Richard Scobie. Same high forehead, same eyebrows, same wide-set eyes that are slightly tilted down in their outer corners. The source of the pic on the right of CEO Richard Scobie is his LinkedIn page. If you go on the Cows in Trees website, you'll see an animation of a rocket-powered cow in the sky with swirling smoke shaped like the number six, much like Space Shuttle Challenger as it was seen on TV exploding in mid-air. Wink wink, CEO Richard Scobie sure has a sense of humor. Number two, Michael J. Smith, pilot of Challenger. Born on April the 30th, 1945, Challenger pilot Michael John Smith was 41 years old when he supposedly died in the explosion. There's a man also named Michael J. Smith who bears a striking resemblance to astronaut Michael J. Smith. Same horizontal eyebrows, same grey-blue eyes, same vertical indentation in the tip of his nose. This Michael J. Smith is a professor, retired, of industrial and systems engineering at the University of Wisconsin-Madison astronaut michael j smith would be 70 years old if he were alive today well guess what there just so happens to be a 69 year old michael j smith whose address includes madison wisconsin he's 74 on this look up anyone list number three ronald mcnair challenger's mission specialist born on october the 21st 1950 Challenger's mission specialist, Ronald McNair, the second African-American astronaut with a PhD in physics, would be 64 years old if he had not supposedly perished in the space shuttle explosion. If Ronald were still alive today, he would look just like this pic of his brother, Carl. Carl McNair is an author, education consultant, and inspirational speaker. And he just so happens to be the founder and president of the Ronald E. McNair Foundation. How convenient. Number 4, Ellison Onizuka, Challenger Mission Specialist. Another Challenger Mission Specialist, Ellison Onizuka, the first Japanese American astronaut, also has a look-alike brother named Claude. Born on June the 24th, 1946, in Hawaii, Ellison would be 68 years old today if he had not supposedly died in the Challenger explosion. If Ellison was still alive, he would look just like this pic of his younger brother, Claude. Same eyebrows, same eyes, same crow's feet wrinkles, same nose even the same hair parting. Claude Onozuka is living out his days as a liquor adjudication board member of the Department of Liquor Control, County of Hawaii, Hilo, Hawaii. Number five, Judith Resnick, Challenger Mission Specialist. Born on April the 5th, 1949, Challenger Mission Specialist Judith Arlene Resnick, with a PhD in electrical engineering, was the first Jewish American astronaut to go into space and the second female American astronaut. She would be 66 years old today if she had not died in the explosion. Except, if she is alive today, it's not difficult to imagine that after 29 years, astronaut Judith Resnick would look like Arthur Lyman Professor of Law Judith Resnick at Yale Law School. Dark curly hair, dark eyes, same eyebrow shape, same lines on both sides of the face extending up from the jaw. When you compare the voices and mannerisms of astronaut Judith Resnick and Professor Judith Resnick, the similarity becomes undeniable. We looked through Ancestry.com's 241 death records for the last name Resnick, but we can't find the Social Security Death Index for astronaut Judith Resnick or any other Judith Resnick. Number six, Sharon Christopher McAuliffe, Challenger Payload Specialist. Born on September 2nd, 1948, Sharon Kristen McAuliffe was a social studies teacher at Concord High School in New Hampshire when she was selected from over 11,000 applicants to participate in the NASA Teacher in Space project. If Challenger had not exploded, she would be the first teacher in space. If she had not died in the Challenger disaster, McAuliffe would be 66 years old today. Well, there's a Sharon A. McAuliffe, an adjunct professor at Syracuse University College of Law, who kind of looks like an older astronaut McAuliffe factoring in the 30 years time-lapse. Look at the cowlick of hair, sweeping from the centre of their hairlines to the left side of their foreheads. It may also be entirely coincidental that Syracuse law professor Sharon is a cousin of Terry McAuliffe, the current governor of Virginia, who was co-chairman of President Bill Clinton's 1996 re-election campaign and chairman of Hillary Clinton's 2008 presidential campaign. Terry McAuliffe, an advocate of gun control, is also very much concerned about NASA funding issues. In the end, we need to ask ourselves this question. It's one thing that one of Challenger's crew members resembles someone alive today. We could talk that up to a coincidence, but it's another thing entirely that six members of the Challenger crew have doppelgangers who are alive, and in some cases with exactly the same names, Richard Scobie, michael j smith judith resnick and sharon mcauliffe and are working at high levels in their original careers what are the chances of that you don't have to be a nasa boffin to know that those odds defy statistical probability so why would nasa create another hoax those interested in gematria might be interested to know that nasa stands for the national aeronautical and space association and if you attribute a number to each character you get 666 Given the powerful symbolic value of space missions, it should come as no surprise that NASA are part of the occult elite, waging powerful psychological wars on mankind. An expression immediately comes to mind, revelation of the method. Originating from the ancient Rosicrucian texts, this concept refers to the process of exposing the masses to dark realities, often in a veiled and underhanded manner, including hoaxes to mock the masses. Some occultists compare this normalization process to the alchemical great work, where the world is transmuted according to the will of the occult elite. In his book, Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare, Michael Hoffman explained why the elite like to rub our faces in it. The alchemical principle of the revelation of the method has as its chief components, a clown-like grinning mockery of the victims as a show of power and macabre arrogance. When this is performed in a veiled manner, accompanied by certain occult signs and symbolic words, and elicits no meaningful response of oppositions or resistance from the targets, it is one of the most efficacious techniques of psychological warfare and mind rape.
2: So there's the case that the Challenger was a big hoax to put fear into people. Another, th- and kids, like, why did you have every single child in the USA watching that? Because they knew dang well, not the teachers necessarily, but the higher ups. Hey, let's have the kids watch it. This is great for. A great thing for mankind get all the kids to watch and if, oh of course they have a teacher so that's gonna make more kids well, let's watch the teacher go to space yeah and then oh the teacher just blew up you know like what kind of mind like he said rape is that and then we get nine eleven. and when I posted this um Astronaut thing on my TikTok. One lady said they made us watch nine eleven, and then I thought about OJ Simpson when I was in high school. They had us in that BS case, that ritual murder that went on. So although mind control happens severely to individuals, MK Ultra they are also doing it on a mass level. They uh, let's talk school shootings, the Columbine school shootings, dig deep into those kids, they had something going on with the police officers and some like sexual, it, just all this stuff, right? Like, it's not just some random kid that decides to go shoot up a school because he's mad. It's much bigger. We have the John Bonet case, we have, um, and that's, you know, so many satanic things involved with that. And then, Lynn Wood's involved with that, which is so strange because I didn't even know who Lynn Wood was until you know twenty twenty and now he's showing up at the John Bunny Ramsey attorney, like really, okay, nothing is a coincidence, guys, like they when is it gonna wake people up that this stuff is very calculated, the wars are calculated, everything's calculated, so I could tell this episode's going to be a multiple part series but before we s- stop talking about the mass media uh ritual abuse they do to us, you know, fear covid, fear flu, fear death, you're going to die, fear fear fear. They do it with vaccines. Um you know, I, I heard this yesterday um again from Dr. Tenpenny, and I had put this on my vaccine debate, one of my first podcasts that I started when I restarted back up again. And she said, and I forgot about this, she said, vaccines aren't something people believe in them like a religion, like people believe in Jesus. It's not like I believe in my couch, I believe in my my chair, I believe in my milk. I believe in my car, you know what I mean? Like, why do we believe in vaccines? Like we do, why like people, because you've been indoctrinated to, that's why, because the mass media has told you over and over and over that if you don't do this, you're not a responsible person, that you're stupid, that your kids might die because, you know, like they have taken all trust out of God and put all trust into them which is the pharmaceutical companies which is owned by the rothschilds which is petroleum based which god gave us all the seed bearing plants and everything we need to make them to have the medicine did you know that where you live the way god intended it is i believe it was 50 miles around you or should be plants and herbs that will help you with anything you possibly need But we have now come to a society where we have demolished, poisoned dandelions, like all the things, you know, dandelions are so good for us, but they've taught us they're a weed and we should poison them and kill them instead of eat them and boil them. I mean, that's how dumbed down our society has become. We do what we're told. They have us dumbed down from kindergarten. And now, unfortunately, kids are going to school at six weeks old. Parents are like, yeah, my kid might be sad about school, but that's okay. They'll get used to it because that's how they were brought up. That's how crazy our society has become. MKUltra has done a good job. So let's talk about MKUltra and where it came from. All right, so in order to understand MKUltra, how it got so powerful and in control is we have to understand the OSS. So the OSS is the predecessor of the CIA. And let's talk about that. Before 1940, the US State Department, FBI, and different branches of the military all had their own security and counterintelligence operations, which did not easily share information with each other. Basically, what happened is they started another war, World War Two. Uh, President Roosevelt, he thought we need more coordination in gathering and acting on intelligence. So in July of 1941, he got this guy named William J. Donovan, who was uh, known as Wild Bill and he made them the coordinator for the COI and he served this Donovan guy served as 165th infantry um, during World War I he was one of the nation's most decorated war heroes and he began laying the groundwork and coordinated the intelligence network based primarily on the example of the British secret intelligence service which is nicknamed M16 However, this new COI office got suspicion and hostility from other U.S. agencies, including J. Edward Hoover's FBI and the War Department's Military Intelligence Division, better known as the G-2. After the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, Roosevelt, now he had a motive, to improve the U.S. intelligence capabilities, and he Further, even further so in june 1942 he issued an executive order establishing the OSS which replaced the COI so OSS operations go into full-fledged in Europe and Asia elsewhere they start gathering intelligence information fostering resistance and guess what else they do spread disinformation behind enemy lines which i don't know if you know that they we are it, we are their enemy, too, the U.S. They we act, they act like they're on our side, but they're not. If you are not on their side, that's all there is to it, in my opinion, humbly said. The OSS operatives carried out soldier rescues, guerrilla wa- warfare, and sabotage, among other missions. All right. So quickly, uh, after Roosevelt died in April of 1945, Harry Truman changed the name of the OSS to what we now know as as the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, which was created in 1947. And this is when things got bad. But check this out. This is so interesting to me because you remember how I always say, if you're famous, it's not on accident. Well, you know who people love Julia Childs. Let's talk about that. As its peak in late 1944, nearly 1,300 men and women had worked for the OSS. With some 7,500 of these d- deployed overseas, their identities remain classified until 2008 when the National Archives released the OSS personal records. In addition, and you guys, I'm reading this from the History Channel, not just somebody's website. This is the History Channel, okay? So believe it or not, but you can look it up yourself. In the National Archives released the OSS personal records. In addition to four CIA directors, Alan Doles, richard helms william colby william casey the ranks of the oss had included also u.s supreme court justice arthur goldberg pulitzer prize winning historian arthur schinger s-c-h-l-e-s-i-n-g-e-r jr film director john ford actor sterling hayden Harvard scholar Ralph Bunch, B-U-N-C-H-E, in parentheses, it says the first African-American recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. You guys know what I think about that if you've listened to my Ethan Paz case. Uh, Nobel Peace Prizes are given to pedos, in my opinion. Again, my opinion. Um, And baseball players and coach Moore Berg. It's funny. I used to think that you could have an opinion in the United States. And the more that things go on, the more I'm like, they're taking away the opportunity to even have your own thought. Because if it's not your own thought, if it's not the thought that they want you to have, they will delete you right off social media, right off anything. I constantly, every almost day or week, I'm deleted off something. Okay, so... Listen to this. One of the 4,500 women to serve in the OSS was Julia Child, who moved to Paris after the war and became a famous chef and cookbook author. Child started out as a research assistant at the OSS headquarters in Washington, D.C., where she worked directly with Donovan, who started the OSS. <laughs> this is just crazy to me and 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 what's more crazy it's on the history like it's here for everybody to read like they're not hiding it it's not like they're trying to hide they're just and as a matter of fact they get pleasure in putting all this in plain sight in movies like the Macharian candidate and people just sit there brainwashed mk adulterated mind controlled it's and, and this so as we'll get into this in the next few episodes this is so planned. It's no accident. It's it's so planned. It, it's so brilliant, really, if you think about it. But unfortunately, they're all getting exposed and now what are they going to do? Because as a prophecy says, there's going to be a time when this exposure gets so big that these people who have tried to deceive us all these years and lie to us in our colleges and all the, they're going to they're going to get exposed. And then what are they going to do? Call everybody in the world a conspiracy theorist? No. Another termed uh, dubbed from and by the u s the CIA I almost said USA by the CIA when the Kennedy assassination happened, and people started waking up to that, which was also now proven done by the CIA and and people were oh, you guys are yeah, there's conspiracy theories that 's not true that 's not true they 're lies No. if it's if they call it a conspiracy theory it 's probably the truth. And we've already talked about what a conspiracy theory means in other podcasts. So, anyways, let's get back to who these wonderful people are that's working in the, C- Na- the old the old CIA, which was called the OSS. So, we got Julia Childs, who was working with the head of it. Um, in that role, she helped develop the shark repellent that would be coated with explosives, targeting ger- German U-boats. Yeah, she's a peach. Sharks were known to set off underwater explosives by bumping into them. From 1944 to 1945, Child worked overseas in C-Y-L-O-N, now Sri Lanka, and China. And the place in China she was was called K-U-N-M-I-N-G, where she handled highly classified papers that dealt with the invasion of Mela Peninsula. Her husband, Paul, was also an OSS officer. Are you surprised? I'm not. Each year, the OSS Society, which included former OSS members and members of the U.S. intelligence, military and special operation communication, holds a dinner ceremony to honor members of its ranks for their wartime service. Last November, several members of Congress in- introduced a bill that would award congressional gold medal to the surviving OSS veterans in recognition of their su- superior service and major contributions during World War II. though the U.S. Senate unanimously voted in favor of le- legislation and 320 representatives have signed on as co-sponsors. The measure has stalled in the House due to a rule stating that Congressional Medal Bill needs to needs a waiver by the House Leadership Executive Committees. Yes, yeah, so and now they didn't give – just like the Pulitzer Prize noble, noble – we're so noble with our prizes <laughs> – now they want medals too. Like they, what? they all want medals. Don't you think that's weird? The golden globes and they have their little necklaces that they give to each other. It's like they're, they love honoring their filth. It's very interesting. Okay. So now let's talk about this guy that everybody needs to know and remember his name is Alan, A-L-L-E-N, Doles, D-U-L-L-E-S. And he is who kind of, not kind of, he is the one who starts what we know as mk ultra so uh mr doles he must have been he must have been a real fun person to be around you know figuring out how to torture people and make them go insane not only can we give him credit for mk ultra project mk ultra he also was part of the bay of pigs invasion uh he was part of the 1954 guatemalan coup. Uh, he was there during the Cold War. He was he oversaw the 1953 Iranian coup. This guy. Oh, let's not forget the Lockhead U-2 aircraft program. And so this guy was was pretty, in my opinion, a sick in the head dude. And he was fired by John F. Kennedy, which doesn't surprise me. And guess what? Doles was also a member of the Warren Commission <laughs> that investigated the John F. Kennedy assassination. Are, are we surprised? He was fired by the guy that he now was saying the commission of investigating that guy's death, because that makes a lot of sense. But let's talk about Project MK Ultra. For those of you that aren't aware, there was several movies about um, Project MK Ultra. I believe they are the reason we have many things, including serial killers, because yesterday I did this research. I said, when, when did serial killers first kind of start? And you know when they all started in 1970s? Yeah, surprise, surprise. I wonder. And they're all – look up to Ted Bundy, guys. He's so tied in with politics and law and all this. Like who and why do they choose these, these people? Like they have to be – and I love how they all hide under this Christian guys too because you can prove uh, the guy Pat Robertson from uh, the 700 Club – he has lumen they have symbols and signs that show that their alliance and who their allegiance is to. And when they say God, they're not talking about Yahweh. They're talking about their God. We can't just say, oh, they say God. They're good. So MK Ultra was preceded by Project Artichoke. And um we're gonna get into all of these a lot more next week because we need to talk about what Project Project Artichoke did and then we'll get into what um, mk ultra has done. And today I just kind of covered how we are mass media mk altered, right? Cuz a lot of us think, "Oh, that's a victim of MKUltra. ultra." You, my listener, are a victim of mk ultra in some way, rather it be through vaccines and being the the belief that they work when they're full of heavy metals and foreign dna of human beings, uh, which leads to the abortion Clinics being, you know, making tons of money for these body parts of these aborted children, which leads to uh, sickness and disease, which leads to pharmaceuticals trying to help you, which leads to, you know, maybe we need another vaccine to fix that to death. And, and my listener, my friend, if you're scared of death, then you're you're not living, because no matter what, we will die. As a, I want to end with this. I read this the other day and I've been holding it in my heart. And since this came up at the end of this podcast, I'm going to read this to you. I read this out of a book in the Apographa. And before I go on, the Apographa that I have right now, it's 54 books that were taken out of the Bible, in my opinion. Some of these books that I've read, like there's this one book, um, the Book of Creation, it's kind of, to me, how maybe they started the Kabbalist religion. But I also think they've took a lot of these books out to keep people dumbed down to the power of Christ, and then they use it and copycat it to do witchcraft. And Christians won't even read it because they say, well, in Revelations, it says that we shouldn't add to this book. And I've had to explain this before. When John wrote the book of Revelations, he didn't know the Bible was going to be put together. When he said, do not add or subtract to this book, he's talking about the book he was writing, which was Revelations. He was he was writing that book. The Bible we have is 66 books with 54 approximate books taken out of it. So there's a lot missing. So imagine reading a, a history book, for example, because that's what the Bible is, and sections of that history have been removed. You're only going to get part of the picture, and that's what's happened with our spirituality. We only have part of the picture, and the other side has the whole big picture. They believe in the scriptures. The evil people, they believe in the scriptures, just not the same way I do. They read the same scripture. They just misinterpret it or interpret it the way they feel like it, or they don't read it and have someone else interpret it for them. I find that a lot with the Christian church. Well, the Bible said, well, have you ever read it yourself? Well, no, but my pastor said, well... What's the, what's it say before that verse? What's it say after that verse? What's that verse mean? Okay, what I'm about to read you is from the Testament of Abraham in the Apocrypha. It's chapter 16. And basically God is preparing Abraham for his final days on earth. And he told Gabriel to go tell Abraham, Hey, you're come with me. Your, your time's up. And Abraham's like, no, I don't want to. and, and, So God finally sends the spirit of death. And as I've talked about before, everything is very spiritual, right? There's the spirit of life. There's the spirit of death. There's the spirit of joy. There's a spirit of depression. We live in a very spiritual world and we don't, most of us are spiritually like dead. We're just closed off to that spiritual side, which is so sad. But it says here in chapter 16, then the most high called, called to me. Call to me here death. So he, the Most High is um, talking to Gabriel. Then the Most High said, Call to me here death. That is called the shameless countenance and the pitless look. And Michael, the, incorpor- the corporal, went and he said to death, Come here, the Lord of creation, the immortal king, calls you. And death, hearing this, shivered and trembled, being possessed with great terror and coming with great fear and stood before the invisible father shivering groaning and trembling awaiting the command of the Lord therefore the invisible God said to death come here you bitter and fierce name of the worlds. hide your fierceness cover your corruption and cast away your bitterness from you and put on your beauty and all your glory and go down to my friend Abraham and take him and bring him to me but now also I tell you not to terrify him but bring him with fair speech for he is my own friend." Having heard this, death went out from the presence of the Most High, and he put on a robe of great brightness, and made his appearance like the sun, and became fair and beautiful above the sons of men, assuming from the chief messenger, having his cheeks flaming with fire, as he departed to Abraham. Now the righteous Abraham went out his chamber, and sat under the trees of Mar, M-A-R-E is how that's spelt, holding his chin in his hand, awaiting the coming of the chief messenger Michael. And, behold, the smell of a sweet fragrance came to him, and the flashing of light. And Abraham turned and saw death coming toward him in great glory and beauty. And Abraham arose and went to meet him, thinking that it was the chief captain of God, which would be Gabriel. And death, beholding him, saluted him, saying, Rejoice, precious Abraham, righteous soul, true friend of the Most High God, and companion of the holy messengers. Abraham said to death, Greetings, you, of appearance, of the form like the Son of the Most Glorious Helper, Bringer of Light, wondrous man, from where does your glory come to us, and where are you from? Where do you come? Then death said, Most righteous Abraham, behold, I tell you truth, I am the bitter lot of death. And Abraham said to him, No, but you are the, the comeliness of the world. You are glory and beauty and of messengers of men. You are fairer in form than any other, and you say, I am the bitter lot of death, and not rather, I am fairer than every good thing? And death said, I tell you truth, what the Lord has named me, that I also tell you. And Abraham said, Why have you come here? And death said, I have come for your holy soul. Then Abraham said, I know what you mean, but I will not go with you. And death was silent and did not answer him a word. Then Abraham arose and went to his house and death also accompanied him there and Abraham went up to his chamber and death went up with him and Abraham lay down on his couch and death came and sat by his feet and then Abraham said depart from me for i do not desire to rest on i de, for i desire sorry depart from me for i desire to rest on my couch death said i will not depart until i take your spirit from you Abraham said to him By the immortal God, I charge you to tell me truth. Are you death? And death said to him, I am death. I am the destroyer of the world. And Abraham said, I implore implore you since you are death. Tell me if you come in thus such fairness and glory and beauty. Death said, No, my Lord Abraham, for your righteousness and boundless sea of your hospitality and the greatness of your love towards God has become a crown on my head and a beauty and great place and gentleness, I approach the righteous man. But to sinners I come in great corruption and fierceness and the great bitterness and with fierce and pitless look. And Abraham said, I implore you, listen to me, show me your fierceness and all your corruption and bitterness. And thus said, you cannot behold my fierceness, most righteous Abraham. And Abraham said, Yes, I will be able to behold all your fierceness by the means of the name of the living God, for the might of my God that is in heaven is with me. Then death put off all his comeliness and beauty and all his glory from the, like the sun, which it was clothed, and put on himself the tyrant's robe, and made his appearance gloomy and fiercer than all kinds of wild beasts, and more unclean than all the uncleanliness." And showed to Abraham seven fiery heads of serpents and fourteen faces, one of a flaming fire and a great fierceness, and the face of darkness, and the most gloomy face of a viper, and the face of a most terrible precipice, and the face of a fiercer than an ASAP, and a face of a terrible lion, and a face of Seris. I don't know what this is, S-E-R-A-S-T-E-S, and Bals Balsalix. He showed him also a face of fier- fiery sectomer, well, half of these things, I don't even know what they are. And a sword bearing face, and a face of lightning, and lightning terrible, and a noise of dreadful thunder. He also showed him another face of a fiercer stormy sea, and a fierce rushing river, and a terrible three headed serpent, and a cup mingled with poisons. And in short, he showed him great fierceness of unbearable bitterness every mortal disease as the odor of death oh have you ever smelled the smell of death it's not good and from the great bitterness and fierceness there died servants and maidservants in the number about seven thousand and the righteousness of abraham came to an indifference of death so that his spirit failed him and all the holy Abraham, seeing these things, thus said to death, I implore you, all destroying death, hide your fierceness and put away and put on your beauty and the shape which you had before. And I want to stop right here. If you've ever listened to people who have been like uh, in hospice or wherever, it's interesting the way people act when they have God in their hearts, Jesus in their hearts and God, the Holy Spirit with them and when they don't it is very interesting. It's like they fight to hang on to this life, even though they're like not living any type of life. When I've seen someone leave this world before, and they sat up and like, it looked like the angels were coming for him. It was incredible. So, you know, death is real. And this really brought it to like, like, wow, it's, a spirit sent from God and God chooses our days, our times, our hours. Now listen to this next part. And, and you know, you, your power of your words, you can implore to God, please, God, can I, let me live out the days you have fulfilled for me. I pray that all the time for my family and me and, you know, like we have more control. Like death can't just take us. But a lot of us give ourselves over to death by choosing th- what the enemy wants vaccines war you know all the things like and i know war sometimes we don't choose but we choose to join the military we chose to do these and, and i'm not saying that's bad at all because but we know when we're we sign up for that we're gonna go to war and then we're gonna be asked to kill innocent people that we don't even hate just on behalf of our government that started the war it's it's just insane and it's all just part of death it, to destroy our youth to destroy our kids to destroy 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 that's just what the enemy loves destroy god's children so anyways it says um and immediately death here hid his fierceness and put on his beauty which he had before and abraham said to death why have you done this that you have slain all my servants and made servants oh i've missed that part uh so, let me go back, sorry, guys. So it says that um and from the great bitterness and fierceness, there died servants and maid servants, and the number about seven thousand. <laughs> Can you imagine that so seven thousand people, just from being around that spirit that revealed himself to Abraham died, and the righteousness of Abraham came to indifference of death, so that the spirit failed him. And the holy Abraham, seeing all these things, thus said to Death, I implore you, all destroying Death, hide your fierceness, put on your beauty and shape which you had before. And immediately Death hid his fierceness, put on his beauty which he had before. And Abraham said to Death, Why have you done this, that you have slain all my maidservants and servants? Has God sent you here for this end to this day? And Death said, No, my lord Abraham, it is not as you say, but on your account I was sent here. And Abraham said to Death, How then have these died? Has the Lord not spoken it, thus said? Believe, most righteous Abraham, that this is also wonderful, that you are also not taken away with them. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, for if the right hand of God had not been with you at that time, you also would have gone and departed from this life. The righteous Abraham said, Now I know that I have come to indifference of death, so that my spirit fails, but I implore you, all destroying death. Since my servants have died before their time, come, let us pray to our Lord God, that he may hear us and raise up those who died by your fierceness before their time. And death said, Amen, be it so. Therefore Abraham rose and fell on his face to the ground in prayer and death together with him. And the Lord sent a spirit of life. Isn't that neat? I, I, how incredible is it? And those that were dead on were made alive again. Then righteous Abraham gave glory to God. So it goes down. I'm not going to read all of this because it's a lot. But he death basically explains, like, you know, uh, why he showed him the sword and the rivers and all the things because that those are different ways of people dying. And so Abraham says, "Well, teach me concerning all of this." And death answered, and he says. Listen, righteous Abraham. For ages, I destroyed the world, and I lead all down to Hades—kings and rulers, rich and poor, slave and freeman—I convoy to the bottomless pit of Hades. And for this, I showed you the seven heads of serpents. For the face of fire, I showed you. You became, uh sorry. For the face of fire, I showed you because many die consumed by fire. Um. So, and it says all the ways people die. It goes on and on. I'm going to go back down to right here. But it says this. Listen to this. It says, tell me, death, truly, truly, I tell you the truth of God that there are 72 deaths. One is just death. That means that to me, the one that God will shoot that just like, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? I hope it does. Buying its fixed time, right? Because it says that we have a destiny, every single one of us. But here it says, And many men in one hour enter into death, being given over to the grave. Behold, I have told you all that you have asked. Now I tell you, most righteous Abraham, dismiss all the counsel and cease from asking anything once and for all. And come with me as as the God and judge of all has commanded me. And Abraham said to death, Depart from me yet a little while that I may rest on my couch. For I'm very faint of heart. For since I have seen you with my eyes, my strength has failed me. All my limbs and my flesh seem to be weight of lead, and my spirit is exceedingly distressed. Depart from me a little while, for I have said I cannot bear to see your shape. So I just find this when I read this, even if it doesn't sink with your soul or you're like, that's not in the Bible or whatever. It's just still very, very interesting um, to me. And I wanted to share it with you guys. So there you have it. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for the spirit of life. Every single one of us are listening here. We're alive because you have put us here. I pray for your heavenly protection over this time that I believe you're going to put us through a great darkness while that darkness happens. I believe that is a time to really minister to your children. So I pray that everybody that's listening here has ears to hear is not as scared of that spirit of death because you control that also. Let them turn to you. Let them be freed from this this fear, this mind control that has been put over all of us for all these years. And let us just start to really just put our mind in your control in Jesus, holy and precious name. All right, guys, part two, we'll really get deep into what Project Artichoke and Project MK Ultra are. What they did to people, all the drugs they gave to people, I mean they, they, they went for it. they went for it big time. and after they used individuals, they went straight to the mass media and they used the television vision to do so. All right, we'll see you next week. God bless. Yahweh, not the other God, the God of gods and king of kings It's like a headling.
3: Yeah, that's it. To serve our Treasure th- Valley communities, the El Paso, Las Cruces communities, Eastern Iowa communities, Mid Michigan communities, we are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS Four <laughs> News produces. But we <laughs> are concerned about the stories plaguing our country. Plaguing
0: our country.
1: The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, <laughs> some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first
3: the sharing of biased and false False news has become all too
0: common on
4: social media this is fucking scary yeah this is the scariest well that's propaganda
2: and that is joe rogan and i will put the full link of his clip below as i always do peace out we'll talk to you next week